Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, Hong Kong officials pushing to convince the world that the Chinese territory remains the go-to place in Asia for finance. Hong Kong Summit for Global Bankers begins today. And joining us from Hong Kong is Ender Curran, Bloomberg Chief Asia Economics Correspondent. Ender, our colleague Shirley Ren in Opinion has written a piece saying the mood is all gloom and doom and, and the bankers and asset managers she's been speaking to are worried. So how does Hong Kong convince the world that it is the go-to place in Asia for finance? Well, Juliet, this is a very important event for Hong Kong. From the government's side, the idea was to project this huge hub reopening, easing up on the quarantine restrictions and on the COVID restrictions, bring in the world's big bankers, and of course, end the week then with the Big Sevens Rugby Festival. But you'd have to say it isn't quite playing out like that. The mood music is pretty low. Uh, to begin with, several senior finance executives have uh, are not coming for one reason or another, so that's taking some shine off it. Secondly, there's been some practical issues around, for example, the finance secretary, he got COVID, so it became unclear whether or not Hong Kong's own top economic official could be in attendance. And then, thirdly, we've had some weather-related issues here. Hong Kong has strict rules around what happens when a typhoon is hitting the city or even coming close to the city, and that's cast a shadow over you know, how that might impact proceedings as well. So you would have to say, if the idea was that Hong Kong was going to flick a switch and project itself as reopen to the world, and here we go, back to doing business as normal, that doesn't seem to be the mood music or the vibes. And as Shuli says in her own piece, uh, there's still lots of concern and I think, and worry among the bankers in Hong Kong. Indeed. And uh, meanwhile, we are seeing, and it's always been a comparison, Singapore outpacing Hong Kong, at least in some kind of rankings. Uh, the Global Financial Centres in- Index, Singapore is Asia's top financial centre. So how do authorities try and, and convince money to come back into Hong Kong? We heard the Finance Secretary Paul Chan uh, refusing claims that uh, Hong Kong is losing its status in a blog post. Well, there's so much negative sentiment around Hong Kong, I think primarily because it is on this political fault line. It's essentially caught between the US and China, so it's in the middle of that fairly tense uh, geopolitical competitive uh, sort of uh, back and forth that's going on between both governments. And as long as that's happening, you'd have to say it's going to cast doubt over Hong Kong. You know, take, for example, the practical measures. There are sanctions against the leader of Hong Kong, John Lee. You have a situation whereby Wall Street bankers are having to tread a line of attending a conference uh, that's being led by someone who's under sanctions by the US government. That's obviously very, very difficult uh, for them to manoeuvre. So the sentiment towards Hong Kong is very negative, and I don't think there's a lot Hong Kong can do about that, given what's happening between Beijing and Washington. But then there's the other story, which is the broader global economic backdrop, which is also negative for Hong Kong. The whole story about rising interest rates, money returning back to the US, money leaving China, the slowdown in global trade, the slowing in house prices or real estate prices, which is such a crucial component of revenue for Hong Kong's government. Uh, All of those kind of macroeconomic measures are also going in the wrong direction for Hong Kong. So there's always been a narrative around Hong Kong 
which is quite right that it has rebounded from testing periods in the past. But you'd have to say this time around, that theory itself is going to be tested, given the amount of different variables that are going against Hong Kong all at the, all at the same time. I mean, you've lived there throughout the pandemic, so no doubt you would have seen people leave too and, and probably some of your friends. What, what are we seeing in terms of the high net worth individuals leaving Hong Kong? So there has been a, a significant exodus. I think the figure used by the government is, is certainly well over 150,000, maybe around 200,000 people have left uh, in the past year or so. It, it's obviously is still a place to do business. It's obviously still the financial capital for China. Uh, Shanghai remains behind the capital border as long as that remains to be the case Hong Kong is, is business model won't change so it does attract talent it does attract money however clearly as I was saying at the beginning at the beginning there it's losing a lot of its lustre as an international kind of place to go and do business on a freewheeling basis it's now being seen as complicated it's part of the China story Singapore of course doesn't have those complications Dubai doesn't really have those complications per se um, so there is money here there will always be Chinese money here, Juliet, but you'd have to say clear, clearly some of that is also being diverted to alternatives as well. When it comes to the, the Singapore picture or indeed anywhere else that might attract talent, you look at the likes of Dubai too. I mean, we had John Lee outline some of those measures to attract talent about a month ago. What struck me, though, was the fact that the visa was for a shorter period of time than Singapore's and it attracted a higher salary. So... Is Hong Kong kind of just not shooting itself in the foot with these with these tougher measures to get talent visas? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, if you step back to where the world was just at the beginning of this year, broadly speaking, much of Asia was under the same kind of lockdown or these border restrictions. But these other countries like Australia and Singapore and elsewhere, they flicked a switch and they reopened and they told them, they told the world to reopened. Hong Kong hasn't done that. They've been kind of in, first of all, they had a very difficult six months of the year to begin with, with the COVID outbreak and everything else and trying to impose restrictions. Then, of course, their reopening has been quite staggered and people don't really have the patience for that. And people even question why that's effective to begin anyway. So then they come along with these measures and, like you mentioned in the annual policy address, let's try and put some visas out there to attract some talent. But you have to say, is it really about visas? Is that the reason people aren't coming here? Or is it just because of, A, of course, how you've handled a pandemic or the aftermath of the pandemic, and then B, the whole China backdrop story. So, Julia, people can argue about the pros and cons of the visa program they have on offer, how it compares to mm. other jurisdictions, but I think this is a bigger picture than visas. It's really fundamental about how Hong Kong sits between the US and China, and of course, how Hong Kong runs its own affairs on the ground, too. All right, talk our global audience through the, the shock of GDP print we got, though, from Hong Kong, and, and we know that that will turn around when COVID zero eases, but uh, it's a pretty dire number. No, it was a very bad uh, uh, read for Hong Kong's economy. It shows the depth of what's happening. You know, at the beginning of the year, Juliet, there was a feeling that, oh, the Hong Kong economy is suffering because of all of the restrictions, so people aren't spending and shopping, so you could, you could nut that out. But now, of course, we've gone beyond that. I mean, on the ground, whatever, for all the restrictions in Hong Kong, on the ground, actually, it's been wide open for months in terms of activities and people going around, etc. And yet, the consumption side of things remains weak. People aren't spending the way they used to. That's happening now at the same time that real estate prices are coming off. That's a key source of economic activity and investment and development for the government. So that's coming off. And the port is starting to slow down because of the whole big trade boom stories coming off the ball. So that's losing ground. Then throw into the mix the rising Fed rates, which, of course, sucks capital out of Hong Kong. So now you're in a territory where this isn't about COVID anymore. 
the COVID story, you could argue, was hitting the consumers. It's no longer just that. It's about a whole range of global factors that is hammering Hong Kong's economy. And it goes to the point that Hong Kong hasn't been able to just flick a switch and say, hey, we're reopened for business. It's back to normal. That point hasn't happened at all. All right. And negative four and a half percent, Brian, telling me year on year, the Hong Kong economy. Enda Curran, thank you. As always, great reporting. Enda Curran is Bloomberg Chief Asia Economics Correspondent with us in Hong Kong, where the Hong Kong Summit for Global Bankers began yesterday with officials trying to convince the world the Chinese territory does remain the go-to place in Asia for finance. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.